welcome back to those of you who are just joined us for uh, an incredible session with our friend Austin Vickery. Uh, we have with us Jeremy Carter today, and you're here with the Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Jeremy's, yes. top, Jeremy's topic today is tenor sax basics, which is something I think he knows a little bit about. Uh, participants are going to be muted during the session, but we can unmute you, and you can ask a question by raising using the raise your hand feature or by by uh, using the chat feature, and we'll be sure to get those questions to Jeremy throughout his session. Uh, we hope you enjoy today's session. There are upcoming more free sessions that are posted every day. We're adding on clearwaterjazz.com slash education. That's our education and outreach page. We appreciate your feedback on these sessions as we like to improve upon them. If you have specific, a specific topic that you would like to see, please go ahead and also let us know what that topic is. And my suspicion is, is we can make it happen. And you can email those suggestions to info at clearwaterjazz.com, I-N-F-O at clearwaterjazz.com. We're so excited to have our friend Jeremy Carter with us. Jeremy is an active participant with Clearwater Jazz Holiday Education and Outreach. He participates in our History of Jazz program and is a regular member of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Outreach Band. He also participates in our My Journey with Jazz program, which is a program that is delivered in more economically challenged and underserved areas, particularly in neighborhood family centers and other organizations in our community. Uh, talking about the history of this great music, and we have a lot of fun. Jeremy is one of the most sought-after saxophonists around. He's such an incredible performer. He's traveled the world, and he's shared the stage with some great acts. He's had several sold-out appearances of his own, and he is just the most entertaining and wonderful person to be around and a delight to listen to. Jeremy Carter, welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. The stage is all yours. Hey, hey. Hi, everybody. There's my, uh, there's my Dr. Nick intro from Simps for those of you that watch The Simpsons. Uh, first of all, before I get started, a big thanks to Steve Weinberger and all the guys at Clearwater Jazz Holiday and all the other musicians for participating to help uh, produce this project. Um, it, it means a lot uh, to a lot of people, uh, including myself. Um, everyone's experiencing a lot of difficulties right now. And, um, you know, one of the most uh, key, key points of the, our art form is the, the commune, the fellowship. And so we're, we're not able to do that. And so we really appreciate uh, Steve and everybody at Clearwater Just Holiday and all the other musicians for help put, put this together. Uh, really does make a... a a huge it really does do a whole lot with the with the community um so before i kick it off um i guess i'll tell you a little bit about myself um i came up in omaha nebraska and i uh, started playing the saxophone in uh, elementary school uh fifth grade and uh, uh for a couple of years I, I wasn't very good at all i i could uh, really not get too far past by you know as soon as i get to think together like i had already accomplished something you know if i could just put it together right 
Um, so yeah, for those of you, like, like I said, this, uh, this is a tenor sax basic course. And so, um, my plan is I was talking to Steve a little bit. I want to do this introductory course. I want to do a, uh, a intermediate course and then like a more advanced uh, course. So today we're just going to be doing some really simple stuff, just how to get the instrument together, how to get the instrument to agree with you as much as possible, how to address the instrument. Uh, to allow you to play uh, with any sense of longevity, you know, when you're when you're actually outperforming, um, it's a lot different than when you're in the practice room. The the intensity of the moment, the other mis musicians that are there, the feedback that you're getting from the audience and your fellow musicians, it's much much different. So it's just like any other uh, uh, anything else where you're training. Um, and uh, you know, like for basketball or boxing or anything like that, like you have to put in the work. So while I do want to do my best to be helpful in, uh, in this whole process, but uh, there's one thing you can take comfort in. There are some of the things that you'll be doing today that I still do after, I mean, over, what, 30 years of playing now. And um, so, yeah, it never gets any easier. You're always on that, um, on the quest uh, for, for greatness or for to, to better yourself. Um, so... One of, one of the most important things that you can do when you get your instrument out is uh, put it together. Uh, this is my main turn sax here. It's a Selmer Mark VI from 1959. I know there's a lot of hoopla about Selmers and vintage instruments, and I'll be right there at the front of the parade because I love vintage stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not crucially important. You don't need a Selmer. You don't need a Mark VI to, to get a good saxophone sound, alto, tenor, in. Um, what is important is that your instrument is me uh, mechanically sound. Um, if your instrument is working properly, then you're already a little bit ahead of the game. Um, I, you know, I work with Clearwater Jazz Holiday a lot going out and working with students. And a lot of the issues that, um, you know, younger, uh, younger players are having is that uh, their instrument is getting in the way of them producing any music. So that's one of the first things you want to do. Um, just basic saxophone assembly. I already kind of have it here together. We're going to go all the way back. I'm sorry for those of you that are already, uh, you know, somewhat advanced. But uh, so, yeah, you just have the neck here. You have your mouthpiece. When you're putting the saxophone together, uh, especially with the vintage ones, you don't want to put the mouthpiece on the neck when as you're, you know, if you, you know, you don't want to put the mouthpiece on the neck after you put the neck on the horn. You want to complete this top assembly separately so you're not getting all this torque, torque motion with your neck because over time you can actually damage it. And this is one of the most important parts of your sound production is the neck. So just get your, get your, get the parts out or get the pieces out rather. Sorry. Get your reed set on the table. And then there's kind of a there's kind of a half moon shape here, or um, the slope of the reed at the tip there. You want that to pretty much line up. You want your reed to line up with the mouthpiece when you're getting that whole assembly together. This is a Theowane Gaia uh, tenor sax mouthpiece. Um, it's basically a um, an old old a copy of an old Odolink, like a double line. Odolink, just traditional uh, mouth classic tenor sax mouthpiece that. All the greats played on from, you know, John Coltrane. I mean, you name anybody, most guys, this is like the standard where you would want to start to start developing your sound. Um, 
is some form of an older link somewhere in there, either hard rubber or metal. I have metal here with a Silverstein uh, ligature, and uh, I'm playing on an eight tip opening with like a three reed. Uh, not a very good reed, but it is a reed. <laughs> uh, so once you have the mouthpiece assembly complete, you just want to pop this sucker right on the neck. Now I've already got this thing good and lathered up. So I don't need any cork grease, but for those of you that are just getting started, if you never played a horn before, you never played a saxophone, you're just getting it out of the case. That's kind of what this this uh, instructional video is about. You want to, you should have some cork grease in your case. So you want to apply a little cork grease right to your, right to the cork. Not too much. I was showing my son the cork grease. I turned away for two seconds and I turned back and he had cord grease all around the front and on the reed and it was a mess. It was a big mess. So don't do that. <laughs> Just get the cork nicely uh, lubricated, lathered up so you can get the, uh, get the mouthpiece on there easily and you can make tuning adjustments as necessary once you get it uh, all assembled. Okay, so once you have the neck, just go ahead and pop that baby right onto the body of the horn very carefully it's not to damage it right so once I have my instrument together uh, it's important to just feel the horn just to touch it put your hands where they belong on the horn addressing the horn is going to allow you to play for a long, when you're on a four hour gig and you're standing there and you're tired and it's hot and the band is pumping, it's high energy or whatever's happening, whatever other uh, issues you have to deal with, variables, you wanna just touch the horn, be comfortable with it, right? So address it properly, have a proper attitude uh, with the horn, have good posture, right? So with your right hand on the tenor, there's a hook back in the back. You, your thumb is gonna go right under there. And what you want to do is get a good hold on it, right? Just because you want to, you want to allow the, your fingers to move freely in any fashion you need to, right? I got some clicking going on with Corona. I've been able to get my horn worked on, but it's okay. It still works. So both left hand, right hand. On your left hand, you have a little pad back here. Place your left hand there in a way that's going to allow you to allow you to easily function the octave mechanism. And it's going to give you easy ease ease of use uh, through the fingers on the left hand uh, with the palm keys here and the spatula. And I hope I'm not going way too far back for those of you who are you know a little bit more experienced. But uh, this is basics, so I want to cover all that stuff. Like I said, I'll cover uh, some harmonic structures and some more advanced you know soloing concepts in the next video and the third. Um, but yeah, once you get the horn together. And you just get a feel for it. Just take your time. I'm slow about this. You know, it's a process. Just get familiar with the horn. You know, before you even think about playing music, there's like there's a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of mechanical things that, that need to take place or that should take place. They should be functioning properly before you even think about, you know, putting any air in it. Once you get to that point, one thing that I always do to this day, I get the horn together. I want to check the reed, the mouthpiece, make sure the assembly in my instrument is functioning properly. Just play the lowest note on the instrument. The saxophone is a conical instrument, which means that it's just a large cone that's bent, right? And the air is going to come out of the first available hole. So me playing the lowest note is just going to give me an idea of whether the horn is functioning properly or not, right? So if I have any leaks throughout here, I won't be able to play a low B flat.
which is the lowest note. So at that point, just a nice soft B flat, you know, okay, the horn's working. So if anything goes wrong after that, it was user error. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'll be covering a few things. Um, usually how I do these, this is a little bit different for me because it's not interactive. Um, so I just get to ramble off for about a half hour or so. But um, usually when I do these, I take questions or I get some feedback or I get some, uh, you know, some concerns about something. Maybe you're struggling with something I can uh, specifically help with. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want to comment or have any questions, please feel free to do that because it is often the case that, uh, the, the comments and the topics that I get from the listeners is much more interesting than what I had in mind. Uh, so please feel free to, uh, to jump in at any time. So basically I wanted to talk about just, uh, just sound production a little bit now, right? Because one of the most critical things um, about a player's profile, you might say, when you hear someone, when you hear Coltrane, when you hear Brecker, there are certain things that are uh, unique um, to the saxophone. The mechanisms, the way that the instrument is built, like kind of the way you have to get around the left hand, the, the right hand pinky spatulas, the left hand spatulas, the palm keys. These are things, these are techniques. That, I mean, there's no shortcuts. There's no easy routes. So the best thing for you to do is, uh, regardless of what your intent is, like whether you want to play jazz, you want to be a funk player, you want, you just want to play in church, whatever your ultimate outcome is, you want to be able to communicate clearly, just like with your with your speaking voice. No matter what language you're speaking, you you should be you know and, you know people should be able to hear you. You should speak clearly, and your voice on the instrument. I think is like the most important thing beyond how many gymnastics you can, how fast you can play Cherokee or, you know, how many harmonic structures you can reharmonize the tune with. Um, that stuff's great, but your sound is ultimately where it's at. Like if you go back and listen to like Johnny Hodges or Ben Webster, or even Charlie Parker, one of the most notorious note masters, like he played a lot of notes. Well, you really got to hear the nuance in his sound was when he played ballads and that you know that's that's really the sweet spot for me i mean that's one of the things that i enjoy most um i play in a lot of different situations like big bands you know i play as a sideman funk and weddings and corporate events and stuff like that and festivals but when i'm just laying back playing a ballad either with just sax and piano or you know, just a jazz trio or quartet, or even with my tracks. You know, when I just get to lay back and settle in and play a ballad, that's that's really enjoyable to me. And um, I think that that's, that's really important to kind of get a grasp of that aspect of the playing before you try to get a little too advanced. You know, like the old adage, you know, you gotta crawl before you walk, right? So before you try to get into any other, any crazy stuff with the horn or, or, or musically, really get a sense of what your sound is. It's That's your signature, right? So um, the best thing that you can do is play long tones. I know everybody says that if you go into any jazz form, sax form, everybody, you know, that's kind of a, 
an adage that's that's mocked by you know a lot of a lot of sax players but it's true like if you want to develop your sound like you have to um, you have to play long tones you have to play ballads you got to put in the time there's no shortcuts and so uh part of that <laughs> part of doing that is doing a lot of listening uh this is something i'll probably cover in the in the, in the next session but uh when you're playing you you i mean like you, when you meet with your friends like you or you talk when you speak with somebody online there's always a subject matter right you know you want to have content you want to have substance in what you're doing so it's just really important to learn from the masters like whatever you're going to play figure out the language learn the language just like if you're going to speak english you learn the english you learn the alphabet you learn words you learn phrases you learn colloquialisms right learn the language by listening find people that you enjoy listening to uh their sound their harmonic concept um their phrasing you know if you listen to somebody who's um who you feel is really seasoned or they're really good a lot of that is just the nuance and the little things that they put in their sound right there's a lot of different ways you can you can play the same thing you know you're like a good a good phrase has a good mix of soft hard fast you know you have a, a good a good mix of all the elements right uh this is this before you know i know i was going to play but just before i forget it um there's a there's a idea that i use a lot of times when i go out and i do these sessions with kids and i i talk about playing your instrument as if you were like developing or creating a movie or telling a story you know in the first few pages of the book there's introduction of a character there's setting you know then maybe you introduce another character and then maybe you readdress the uh, the first character the main character's situation maybe there's a plot twist the idea is every reason I mention all these things is that when you're playing, you want it to be all together. You know, you want it to be um, a cohesive uh, element. You don't want it to be uh, just random fragments of ideas, right? So learning the language, listening to players who you enjoy listening to, will give you a sense of how to tell your story, on how to bring all these these pieces together, where there's dynamics whether it's articulation and attack and, and just all the little nuances in the sound, you can learn how to play the space. There's really power in playing nothing. There's a lot of power in just leaving a gap right there. It allows punctuation to be fully fulfilled with the phrase before, and it sets the table for the, for the, the phrase that's coming after, right? So yeah, all these things you can get from just some really, really deliberate listening and doing some dissecting, like not just listening to songs from beginning to end or albums beginning to end like take pieces of individual like if you want there's there's tons of books the omni book is out there i have this I, this book is great there's no solos in here but this is a book that i uh, i look at a lot just because it's got a bunch of monk tunes in there the the uh, melodies on that book or on all those monk tunes are enough to keep you busy for years um so yeah learn the language but like i was saying about the um about a good sound or a good, a well-balanced idea. Like when you're playing or when you begin to play, you don't want to just get on there and start honking on it. Cause I mean, it might be fun, but it's not very fun to listen to. So, you know, just have some, some finesse, have some, you know, 
be a little bit more considerate, be deliberate, I guess I should say, in what you're doing, you know, no matter what it is, because your time is valuable. You only have so much time to, to work on your instrument. So you want to maximize your time. So like I was saying, address the instrument properly and just be very deliberate in what you're doing. You know, um, I was talking about a, a, a good sound or, or um, a good concept. Um, it's really good to like, you know, like I said, to mix it up. So I'm just going to play a little something, nothing crazy. Just, just to give you a taste of what, you know, I, you know, what a good mix of just playing something loosely and freely and deliberately at the same time. sticky going on we got some sticky pads but hey you get the idea man there's there's no reason to uh to force it there's no reason to like play something that's not natural like i didn't have a specific song in mind i'm just like putting a little air through the horn let let the horn just kind of you know do what it's going to do like don't force it listen you know if you think about if you think about miles and his approach and like the newness of the moment there's stories and for those of you who've seen the documentary and all that he really relished in in uh having moments that were new so he would bring in charts for them to record without them ever having rehearsed it and just some of the music you hear some of the most famous recordings you hear miles are either live or you know on a live gig or they're in the studio playing this music for the first time and so there's that there's this newness and there's a freshness to the music and to the entire experience for the, as a listener and for the musicians like they're right there on the on the ledge or on the cusp of what they know and what they don't know and that's that's like a beautiful place to be in and in, in not just jazz but like any music when you're playing together and you know there's there's certain things that are well established and that you can you have a setting you have a framework you have a form and then the exploration that occurs after that with the interplay that occurs within the music between the musicians is uh yeah it's some of the most special um special parts of of the music and uh, you know it's it's different for everybody and you know that's kind of uh the beauty of it i remember uh, doing a i attended a clinic with um with robert glasper and chick Corea. And uh, I remember Chick was talking about um, his idea. He was talking about music schools and saying why sometimes they weren't, you know, the best way to learn music, right? Because when you go there, there's a program and they pretty much tell you exactly what to learn. Well, it's just like food or, you know, any, some people have proclivities towards certain things and not others, right? So when you go to music school and they're like, okay, you have to listen to Lee Konitz, you have to listen to Charlie Parker, you know, you have to listen to these guys, right? But nobody really knows. I mean, and it's important. There are some things that those guys offer. It's important to, to have that structure and learn uh, composition. And there's a lot of things that schools offer, but uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's nobody who can tell you what it is that initially attracted you to music, the thing that really tickles your fancy. 
And as long as you remain true to that, I think you you, you have a pretty good chance of developing um, just past, you know, oh, I get my sacks together and then I'm going to do the sax guy thing, right? If you really want to um, develop your sound, develop your playing and, and uh, increase your ability, um, yeah, listening is really important. Staying true to what you believe in as well as, well as really important. Hey Jeremy, we we have a we have a couple questions. I, I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought, but I wanted to. Uh, no, it's okay. For the sake of time, I wanted to uh, to um, to let you know we had some questions. One one of them is, what's the best way to practice tuning? Um. Yeah. Well, you want to practice. You want to tune up with a metronome, right? Or not with a metronome, with a tuner rather. Uh, you know, the tuner metronome combo. And you, um, yeah, I guess I could use the, the short answer could be like just playing long tones. Just so, I mean, because some of the, these, especially the vintage instruments, they're going to be like I have, this is my main axe, but I also have a Yamaha uh, tenor sax, which is just fundamentally more in tune. Some inch, some saxophones, the saxophone is inherently out of tune, right? So when you hear someone who has a good sound center or good pitch center, that's all just work. Just playing long tones, developing your embouchure, having good um, posture, having good airflow, having a you know good steady airflow, right? Um, tune up to a piano, you know, just, just you, it, it really takes time. Um, yeah, the short answer is a whole lot of practice. There are no shortcuts with it. There, there aren't any uh, cheat codes or hacks for, uh, for tuning because in, like I said, a lot, a lot of times it's in flux. Like I've done gigs where I'm playing um, like a cocktail hour for a wedding outside it's like 112 i'm standing right in the, in the sun and then i come back inside and they have the air conditioning going so tuning is something that you really have to just be conscious of because it's something that potentially may be in flux it's, just, it, it's not very often like usually when i play on a gig and wherever it is if i got something going i'll just leave it there right but there are some variables to it and then you know maybe if you're it's a lot different whether you're playing by yourself if you're a leader uh it really shouldn't matter i mean if, even if you should be in tune with the band but if there's other horn players like maybe the the other horn player or the other horn players you're with don't have the same concept of pitch <laughs> that you do and so it doesn't matter if you're off like sometimes you might have to like lip it down a little bit or you know lip it up just to be in you know together because i think it's like even if whoever whatever just agree to be wherever it is you know so there's there's a lot of different variables there it depends on whether you're playing with other pe other horn players and um yeah how what how well the place is ample you know if you're just playing acoustically in a room there are a lot less challenges than if you're in, on a stage where they have monitors and it's just loud so yeah it's a really good question um uh, intonation is something that, uh, yeah, it, it's a constant thing. You know, there's a, I can, I remember seeing, a, there's a video of Michael Brecker before he passed 
he's in the in the studio and uh, he's telling the engineers like, hey man, you guys got to turn the air conditioning down. It's making my horn sharp. It's making it cold, you know. So the vintage horns are a little bit more finicky uh, when it comes to tuning and stuff like that. But the work that you have to put in to achieve a good tonal center uh, is it's worth it. The, the benefit is that a lot of the vintage horns just for me i mean it's my preference my opinion uh that when you're playing in a microphone or whether you're playing in a microphone or in an acoustic setting the vintage horns just kind of have like a little bit more character and they just seem to the overtone series which is something i'll get into in a later video is a lot stronger uh, on these horns like i can get you know, I don't have to really fight too much to get the overtone series out of there, you know. <laughs> hey, hey uh, Jeremy, right. I, uh, on, yeah. on that, how, how do you know which sax is for you? That's another question that was raised. I know this is a this sort of a basic tenor kind of fundamentals, yeah. but, but alto, tenor, berry, how do you know? Um, yeah, that's also a good question. Um, um, a good example would be my son. Like, I'm, you know, my son, I have saxes for him. I bought him saxes, and uh, he's got a tenor that's, like, almost bigger than him, right? So, obviously, you want to get a tenor that you can functionally play. Like, you can get the neck strap on to the, I guess I forgot, I didn't mention this part, the hook and the neck strap and that whole deal when I was doing the instrument address. But you want a horn that's, that's comfortable. You know, if you're smaller, if you're a slight person, you want to get a, a, well, it's rare that people play mainly soprano, but yeah, if you're really tiny, you probably want to grab a soprano. It would be hard for you to play a berry just because you have to be, uh, you know, ultimately you're going to be on stage and performing, whether it's in a concert hall or, or on a bandstand or whatever. So if you're not that strong, it's going to be hard for you to hold a berry. And then beyond that, um, I think a more specific answer to that is like, how do you know what horn is for you? And that's just really trial and error. Like I, I started off on alto and um, I started playing tenor. Um, I don't know. I think like maybe 10th, 10th grade. Um, there was, there was, a, there was only one spot um, and it was a tenor spot. And so I had to swap over or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I just slowly started to play more tenor. Like it was, it was like more my voice. I mean, because in all actuality, for me, it was just a matter of um, um, it's it being more practical. Um, because once you get up into the altissimo onto the tenor, you can more or less get the alto range, right? But on the alto, you can't really go any lower uh, than the B flat there. Um, so. Yeah, it's just it's just a matter. You have to do some experimentation, play with it, and practice, practice, practice. Speaking of practice, Jeremy, for a beginning jazz student, do you have any recommendations on some basic exercises that a beginning player can work into a daily routine? Absolutely. The first thing you want to do is just playing scales. Once you can start to hear your scales, just major scales, just start there. Like, don't even worry about minors or anything else. If you can just work through your major scales, what I mean by that is, uh, let me get this read on here, right? 
I had my read all lathered up and then I started talking and it got dry. Um, so yeah, just work your major skills. And there's a lot of benefit to that, not just just getting your fingers right and getting your arms right, like getting your, your body right. It also serves to function as training, uh, or it also serves to, to, to train your ear, right? These sounds become more fundamentally familiar, right? So I'm just gonna start on C here and just, you know, just play the scale, right? <laughs> We got a sticky pad. Right? So you get your uh, you get your major scales and you just work them. I started playing them a lot faster just for the sake of time. Um, but yeah, once you work them up and down all keys and then you want to start working. I, I did two octaves there. Initially, you probably just want to do one octave. So a good, a good starting point, I started on concert C, which is my D on the instrument, three and three. But just for the sake of uh, uh, being thorough, um, you might want to just start on the low B flat and just work your way up, just so you can just have a good bass and you start from the bottom and just work it right. So. Ooh, we got a sticker. We got a sticker. She's a sticker right there. Ooh. Right? So you get the idea, right? So when you get the, um, once you get your scales, right? One octave. Right? You do two octaves. Once you get two octaves, um, start working thirds, right? Ooh, we got a sticker. All right. Um, so yeah, start working them in thirds, and this will help in, like I said, tremendously in the way of helping your technique, like getting your fingers together. It'll also help train your ear. Your embouchure will begin to get stronger the more you make these leaps and interval jumps on the horn. Just doing it, just the familiarity and just the, the, the routine of doing it over and over again, it just becomes more and more easy. Um, yeah, you'll start to, the breakthroughs that you have, will be, it'll be more frequent. Like initially, it's going to just seem like carrying a brick uphill or a boulder up a hill, you know. But it, at, in time, things will start to come uh, a lot easier to you. That's great, Jeremy. Thank you. So uh, I'm going to give you a, a few seconds to think about some closing remarks that you may have for this session while I go through um, some housekeeping items for everybody. Really appreciate everybody attending today we have just a few more minutes so happy to entertain any additional questions for jeremy as he thinks of some closing remarks but i wanted to let everyone know that we have we have a full week ahead of us with some really great stuff uh please join us tomorrow may 14th uh four o'clock eastern standard time with our good friend Dwayne white doing a basic trumpet basic trumpet fundamentals class session We've got next week on Monday, Butch Thomas with a basic approach to jazz improvisation. That's at 4.30 on Monday, May the 18th. Our friend Alejandro Arenas is back with us on Tuesday, May 19th with uh, bass styles, an approach to playing swing, funk, and more. On Wednesday of next week, which is May the 20th, Pete Carney 
director of jazz studies at the State College of Florida, is going to be doing a practicing safer at home advanced improvisation with simple tech uh, session. And then uh, we got a wonderful session lined up for next Thursday, May 21st, where we welcome back Frank Williams and Tyler Wortman for another session of their basic trombone fundamentals series, tonguing and articulation. Um, and it just keeps going. We've got sessions planned into June with more added every day. So we, uh, we hope you will join us. We appreciate you uh, participating today. And we thank all of our supporters that help us expand the reach of this great program, Clearwater Jazz Education and Outreach, including our friends at the Al Downing Tampa Bay Jazz Association. Jeremy, we can't thank you enough for being part of our extended family of musicians. And, and Jeremy's going to be back with us for a number of different sessions. So, Jeremy, I'm going to leave it to you to kind of close us out. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, thanks. Thank you again uh, for helping to produce this. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, if, you're, um, if you're a sax player and you're just getting started, um, you're already on the right track by seeking help. Uh, learn from the mistakes of your peers and, and uh uh, some of your elders to uh, help uh, advance your, your 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 progress as a musician and as a sax player. Um, yeah, like I said, Steve and I have been talking about some other sessions uh, that we want to try to cover. Um, I'm going to be doing an intermediate course, and I'm also going to be doing an advanced course where I'll be talking. Uh, I'll have to kind of work it and think about what specific topics I want to try to cover. And uh, yeah, like I said, you're more than welcome to offer any feedback and uh, uh, ideas for, for topics uh, that you guys would like to discuss, uh, whether it's harmony, uh, whether it's, whether it's uh, developing your, you know, your lines or, you know, just uh, theoretical concepts, um, uh, kind of a, uh, either tri triads or so many uh, different approaches uh, to music so yeah if there's something specifically that you'd like to have covered uh, definitely let us know and uh, yeah we'll try to we'll try to get on that all right Jeremy thanks again so much everyone let's uh, we'll hopefully we'll see you all tomorrow with Dwayne White um, and uh, we look forward to more musical days ahead with you all thanks be safe everyone thank you Jeremy thanks guys Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. This podcast series is presented by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. To watch the video of this full session, please visit the education and outreach page at clearwaterjazz.com and click on the studio. You can also learn more about the annual Clearwater Jazz Holiday Music Festival tradition and Clearwater Jazz Holiday's year-round education and outreach at clearwaterjazz.com.